Talk about the power of a change. Have you heard of Jumpman? Probably not. But I'm pretty sure you've heard of Mario. You know, the Italian plumber created by a Japanese game designer in the 1980s. That's right. At first, Mario was known as Jumpman in the Donkey Kong game because of his very new developed ability to jump. One year later, he was renamed to Mario in 1982, and he became the title character of the Mario franchise and the mascot of the Japanese video game company, Nintendo. Just one name change, well, and an outfit change, changed everything. The game industry was skyrocketed forward as the overall Mario franchise is the best-selling video game franchise of all time, with, wait for it, more than 750 million units sold worldwide. Mario has appeared in over 200 video games since his creation, and by the 1990s, more kids recognized Mario than even Mickey Mouse. Are you ready to change your tomorrow and start feeling good again? You're in the right place. Grab your coffee, and together, let's start doing wellness differently. I'm Heather Young, a certified personal trainer. And I'm Jennifer Klutz, a registered dietitian nutritionist. Join us for conversations that will inspire you to ask better questions, remove the overwhelm, and discover what you can do to change your health now. Welcome to the Critical Conversations Podcast. We all want to know, what does Mario have to do with fitness trends? That is the question, right? Yes. I love this. Wait for it. There are over 3 billion gamers right now globally. That's billion with a B. Makes sense. It, it feels like that. I will say that. Yes. A ton of people are gaming, including us. Including us. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we have to call ourselves gamers now. Technically, we play small a video game. Small stretch, though. I think it's a small stretch, but it still counts. We play Animal Crossing, and if anyone else out there plays Animal Crossing, you know how cute and adorable and relaxing it is. Yep. So with that in mind, of just the sheer numbers of the industry, it's very possible that either you or someone in your life does gaming. And here's the trend. Gamers are understanding the power of fitness. There is a huge expectation that in the next year, you're going to see a lot of top gamers and anyone and everyone who is serious about gaming, get serious about their exercise and get serious about their nutrition. I actually love this trend because gaming in and of itself places a lot of critical strains on your posture, your eyes, your brain, your body in general. And when you are conscious about what is it going to take to offset that, how am I going to make myself feel healthy and strong, you can get incredible results. So I could not agree more. I think this is a, an amazing trend. I do. Because we saw it with our little brother. Our little brother is definitely what you call a gamer. He, you would call him a gamer. <laughs> Plays hours on end. And he's good at it. He's very good. But, and, and even other people we know, and I can see, like, even the things that I've taught him about recovery, because it's, it's a sport. I totally see how they're recategorizing it as under the category of esports. And I just see it continuing to grow. Because just think about how many kids are now gaming. Yeah. And having parents even understand that their kids need recovery that the nutritional output of this is actually extensive. But then as you said, what it's doing to your joints and your posture and your body and getting those tools and resources in order to uh, understand how to best support something like this, I think 
um, we are so on board with this trend. Absolutely. Because when you're a top tr- gamer, you're treating it like you're an athlete. You want to support your body. And they know and they can show, hey, if you think about what you're eating, you're going to have stable blood sugar that keeps you calm during yes. you know, different <laughs> events where you're competing. The nutrition can help you increase your resilience. It can help you handle stress. It can increase your brain functioning. And then obviously on the exercise side, it can offset what you're putting your body through to game for multiple hours on end in a day. So I think there's three scenarios where hopping on this trend would be amazing for people. The Mm -hmm. first one is if you play or if a loved one plays, Mm -hmm. because it's just adding the nutrition and the movement that's going to protect your spine, your neck, your shoulders, and your body. Yeah. And I love that resources are coming out that are going to help people do this. Mm -hmm. Making it something that you can do for a long time. Because it's just like any sport. You you want to have longevity in it, especially if you love it. And we can see the pitfalls now that we actually do game. Yeah. <laughs> a little neck pain. A little neck pain, yeah. Where you can see how, wow, understanding how to take care of my body after choosing to do something like this can make all the difference. But I also see it from just the aspect of more and more kids are actually aspiring to just be gamers. They are. Which, you know, people will have feelings one way or the other about whether or not that's a good choice or not. But in general, if this is something you want, right, nutrition is so key for fine motor skills and even developing fine motor skills. If you're nutritionally deficient, yes, you're, you're not going to be able to game as well as someone else because you never had the chance to develop the most optimal, you know, skills just because you're behind the eight ball. That brain-body connection, the nerve support, all of that kind of stuff. Now, I think some people will feel a certain kind of way, Mm. but this is definitely a trend. And I think it applies to everybody in that it shows us that you should pay attention to how either what your dream or what your life looks like is affecting your body. Because if you're out there and you're like, I'm not a gamer, Mm -hmm. I'm not a gamer, you're probably that. That's fine. But do you sit? Yes. Do you have an office job? Because if you have any kind of a job that requires a lot of sitting and that same demand on the body, you're experiencing those same stressors. And then you can take a cue from understanding, hey, I can offset those. I can be really proactive and be really preventative about the wear and tear in my body and do something about it. So it's to me, it's going to create resources that actually help a lot of people. And it's a trend. So we're talking about it. Yes. (laughs) I definitely see this as a trend that will at least take off in gaming circles. If you're not surrounded by a lot of people that game, I think it might float under the radar a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're already definitely seeing targeted supplementation and programs for people that game. And we think, I think it's great. Yeah, it's coming. So paired right alongside that big, big, big trend in gaming. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge. It's bigger than any other professional sport by far, is going to be immersive gamified fitness. Mm. Okay, so AR, VR, augmented reality, virtual reality, the headsets you're seeing people wearing. Now, we don't advocate for running out buying a virtual reality machine or trying to do something that becomes a habit of separating yourself from, you know, real life. (laughs) Real life is great. However, this is another massive trend, and it's something you can still utilize if you know it's coming, and especially for a couple use cases. I can see this being really good. I can see it being really good even more future forward than now. I get that it 
they want it to be a trend. And I do yeah. see it picking up steam. But having played a VR, it still has a long way to go, I think, for people to one, not feel crappy after they've played it. Because a your lot of people are sensitive. Yeah. Yes, it can really make some people nauseous, give them headaches. Um, it definitely can make you feel weird. So I do see it gaining steam and continuing to grow because they'll just keep improving that technology. But I will say that this is definitely for specific people that already do VR and like doing it and it doesn't make them not feel the greatest. I agree. There's definitely room for growth there and it can take its time growing. But the reason I did want to mention it in this podcast today is because I think for anyone who's homebound for any reason, Mm -hmm. what I have seen that they can do now with putting on the VR and walking around your house and just seeing the video of nature and of landmarks and feeling like you're on a trail, like even extending that onto your bike or your Peloton or any kind of a thing that has a screen on it that will take you through a guided exercise it can really help the brain feel a little less boxed in when you're in a situation where you're stuck at home. Mm -hmm. And I think it can help bring the world in for you. And that's a really nice use. Then on the other side, here's where I really see it with clients and even family members I love. So we can get into a lot of conversations why virtual reality is not the best choice and real exercise, real life living is definitely probably going to get you even closer to your goals faster. However, for the person who's tried everything and just can't get moving. Yes. And I know them. They will not exercise. Their brain knows that it is a big to-do on a long list of to-dos that is so long that they are buried under it and Mm -hmm. they have no will for it. But they will put the headset on and they will run around and (laughs) flail their arms in the air and and bat at things and try to build things and try to swing lasers and different things that gets their heart rate up, gets blood flow to their brain and really helps start their body to re-experience the benefit of moving. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first time you put the headset on? When you're playing a game, like a real game, you're sweaty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was actually really surprised with how heavy it was. (laughs) True. So it's also going to help. You have to pay Mm -hmm. attention to building neck muscles. Yes. But for the person who's out there... But we do know someone that started VR and they had chronic neck pain. And because of that weight... And migraines. And migraines. Because of that weight and it strengthening their neck muscles because they played it consistently, it took away their neck pain and their chronic migraines. Because it actually, quote unquote, rehabbed their neck because it was so heavy. They learned had how to, to hold it up. They had to learn how to hold yeah, it up. Yeah, that's definitely going to get your deep neck extensors. Uh-huh. That's cool. Yeah. So I think it's almost more of a important part of the conversation to say, don't poo poo something as the not ideal, or you'll have your own personal biases is why you wouldn't choose something or you might avoid something for any reasons. But with virtual reality, if you can't get yourself to move, I would say if it gets you excited to move, absolutely do it because you can't discount the power of joy and fun to help you move forward. Mm-hmm. That said, my usual disclaimer applies. Virtual reality is going to be body control. It will give you some strength in the muscle you already have, but it's not going to build new muscle for you or help keep you really strong. So with that in mind, use it to get moving again, use it to have fun with movement and controlling your body, but then always prioritize trying to work towards some true resistance training when you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say this is a really great place to start if you just cannot start. Yes. 
It could change everything. Yes. If you can get yourself started with it. Okay. So that plays into another trend. They're seeing a lot of people doing exit polls and polls saying that it's really important for them to see a lot of variety in gyms or platforms. If they're going to pay for exercise classes, they want variety. So you're saying that if you sign up for a gym membership, a trend is that they want tons of different types of classes. Yes. Yes. Mm. Up to 60% of men and women in one study alone said that they would go to a gym if it offered a wide variety of class offerings. Don't you think this also, though, shows that people don't actually have a strong foundation for knowing how they should exercise? I kind of do. Because I didn't know what the trends were before we started this conversation, so I did not know about this trend. But that is the first thought that came to me, which is the variety to me comes across as people getting bored, quote-unquote, with working out or moving. And so they think the solution to the to the boredom or the desire to work out is different things. But if you understand that consistency and repetitive motions that are strategic for gaining muscle is actually what you want, you wouldn't be saying that you want this. You would actually be saying, I want classes that build on each other Get me and results. do at least a 12-week arc so that I actually walk out stronger at the end of you know, my motivation of showing up to the gym each week instead of just haphazardly, randomly picking a new class because it's different. Yeah, I think that your point and your immediate question is valid. I can see this going one way where it's positive, and then on the other side, I completely agree with you that I think this trend is going to leave people frustrated. It's kind of building on the back of social media where we have these attention deficits, deficits and we're really looking for the next big thing, uh-huh. and we want our brain to fire, and so we want new things. And then with that in mind, you're going to be frustrated because consistency is what's going to change your body composition. And I have looked into this forever, and I'm that, I have that brain that craves novelty and new. Is, has a hard time just getting doing the nitty gritty. But the science is irrefutable that to some degree, to get the most powerful changes for your body, it's going to require repetition. Yes, which I guess technically that's a different podcast. It is. And we need to talk about that. But but you said the trend and I immediately instantly was like, well, then people just are not going to get anywhere by the end of the year because they're just randomly picking a new class. Right. Because that's just so you understand that's the big drawback is that if you're jumping from class to class, it's not going to address your body's movement patterns and it's not going to address the unique stress your life is under. You spent time around me. Yes. (laughs) So uh, like the gamers and anyone sitting those long hours, you have to have targeted specific exercises to strengthen the muscles that are getting overused or underused during that. Right. You could likely pick a class that's legitimately using the same muscles that you just use for two hours of gaming. Yes. And don't strengthen any of the other muscles right. that you didn't it's use. It's cementing in an imbalance. So you have to pay attention to the fact that variety is good. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we will always be here for yes. some variety. But you picked up right away. You also need consistency to have fitness goals. And sometimes consistency starts with showing up and building the habit of yes. showing up. And variety can get you that. Agree. So I, I also do think that some classes get away with, I mean, some gyms get away with having very specific styles of classes only. Like they'll only do CrossFit and Zumba. Mm -hmm. And people are like, well, I would like a stretching class or I would like a mobility class or I would like something for relaxation. Those like 
outside secondary classes that Mm -hmm. build on your body. And I can see requesting those being a good thing. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Hopefully people understand that variety isn't going to necessarily drive them. Oh, I definitely see this trend taking off. Yeah. Yes. That's why goat yoga is a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Variety, man. Yoga wasn't cutting it anymore. People like variety. Um, But I would say what we're working towards is the education of understanding why haphazardly picking classes is not to your benefit. And why you might be frustrated. Long term. Beginner, yes. Yeah. You know. Moving past that. But again, though, that's not going to diminish this trend. This is definitely going to be a trend. I I see it happening. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so, so you can definitely hop on this trend, but just know that there's nuance. You're going to pay attention to, to your mm-hmm. goals. Yes. Now, right alongside that desire for variety, people are polling and they can see that there's this movement towards lower impact, less intense workouts, which, which is interesting. I'm, I'm so here for and this. And one of the ways you can tell that is looking at searches. So people searching for Pilates classes mm. up 83% year on year. People searching for yoga up 49, which is almost 50% mm. year on year. So it kind of, I think, fell away. Now it's coming back. Um, you even see... You know that's because we're old, right? <laughs> yeah, we're there's this bubble of people. They're like, "Oh, my body can't do that." No, the like when we anymore. were teenagers, Pilates was, was it. it. Yeah, it if had to you fall were out not doing Pilates, I remember this. You, what were you even doing? Who were you? Who were you? And obviously, we were not doing Pilates. But, <laughs> but you do realize that most of these things on this list, I'm reading this list: Pilates, stretching classes, um, yoga. Obviously kind of has fallen down a little bit, but I would say it's a pretty steady trend. Mm-hmm. But the Pilates was replaced with yoga. And now we are seeing the slide a little bit of yoga, I would assume, to the uptick of Pilates because people have been doing yoga now for 15 plus years and they want something new yeah. and different. It's that cycle, that cyclical thing. Yes, it's like it's right, this is the exercise now, version of bell-bottom pants. We <laughs> they came now. back again and we don't know how. Yes, But again, good movement. Uh, the other thing that I saw specifically also walking in nature is up and it's trending, but here's the thing as a culture, Didn't I hear that they are calling this something weird, the walking in nature. Yes. So lots of names all building on that whole Japanese art of being calm among the trees. You never guess the name cause it's special. I remember um, it being very, in odd. addition to forest bathing, forest therapy, green activity. Okay. Yeah. They're also calling it biophilia. Not here for Activities it. Activities. We have to make it hard. <laughs> Got to make it sound new. Now, it's an amazing trend, though. Everybody needs to be out in nature. I just don't think we need a fancy, crazy name to call it. I roll at the marketing. Okay. So here's the disclaimer. Yes. We can see that this is a trend coming. So for you listening, your office workers, your family, all these trends we've mentioned so far, all the way here up to this low impact, um, you're going to hear people talking about this. And it's important to know if this is the right trend for you to participate in. So what season is your body in? For a lot of us, if you're burnout, if you know your body needs an extended break to heal or to recharge, if you know you've been pushing it, if your joints hurt, if your tissues aren't healthy, all that kind of stuff, then this could be an amazing trend to hop on to Give yourself permission, get outside the the exercise culture, diet culture noise of pushing it and grinding it to give your body a break. That said, as soon as you can, you're going to need to look to incorporate strength again. 
Mm-hmm. Because if your friend or your family member are pushing you, like you have to do Pilates with me, Pilates is good, but it is not going to give you back muscle if you've been, if you're coming out of a period of not moving. If you're coming out of COVID on the side of not being physically fit, it's a good way to get started, but it's not going to give you muscle. It's going to only strengthen the muscle you already have. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a good place to start, and it's where you would recommend starting. I do, because it's low, low impact, impact, and it's going to teach you to control your spine again. So mm-hmm. overall, I like the trend. I just also want to see people get strong. Well, yeah, what you're emphasizing is understanding that the low impact walking, Pilates, yoga, anything in that category is only one way you're actually strengthening your body and supporting your body and you're leaving a whole other side to it not being taken care of. Yeah, the other side of the coin. So so after they've started their low-impact activity, they're say they're walking five days a week, or they it's start up their Pilates, break. and they, they've gotten into that habit, then what are they supposed to add on to it? What's the missing piece? Definitely resistance training and okay. building muscle. And this is something that is a interesting conversation to have because you know, you and I both did not grow up with muscle being a conversation for women. No. At all. It was cardio all the way. Well, I mean, in fact, you weren't supposed to have muscle. No, it was it, very bad. It was, and there are some groups here now say, today. It's still, still bad to have muscle. They're still telling women that they, <laughs> they, they still shouldn't are. have muscle. Yes, they shouldn't did look, you know? You shouldn't look Finn is back muscly. in again. That's the body type that's desired. No, please tell me that. You no, know. no, I'm not sure. You found that in your research? Uh, yeah, the messaging is that we're supposed to be super, super skinny and thin again. And it's not, it's not exciting. Well, we're not going to help to promote that. No, we're not because muscle is so important. Here's the good news. I can see, and they are predicting predicting that building muscle is a trend. And you can see it. You can see it on TikTok. You can see it on social media. You can see that there are women in the gym. There are women getting stronger. They're willing to go in there with the guys. And the conversation is being had more that we need muscle. But I have to tell you, it's the trend has really got to accelerate. Because I was curious. I looked at the CDC data. Oh, yes. And so where they, are we at with women gaining muscle? Here you go. So overall, first of all, just women and men together, okay. they track, are you getting aerobic physical activity mm-hmm. or aerobic physical activity and muscle strengthening activity? So newsflash, the CDC actually cares if you're doing muscle strengthening activity because it's a known health factor. It's, it's essential for preventing yeah. disease. So 53% of adults over 18 meet the guidelines for aerobic. We're pretty good. Sick. About that. 60%. Is that what you just said? 53%. 53%. Yes. So and just then, a little over half. Just a little Ish. over half. But then when you look at who gets aerobic and muscle strengthening activity, that's only 23% of the population. Mm. That's dismal. Now, here's where it gets really s- sad. Yeah, because I'm sure. <laughs> because then you have to say, okay, to... what is it when you extract the men yeah. out? Mm-hmm. And it falls about 15% in almost every category for men versus women. Ouch. Yeah, makes sense, right? Based on But that makes sense why to me this is part of the conversation for why women are more likely to get an autoimmune condition, mm-hmm. right? Cuz you mm-hmm. don't have muscle, muscle. protecting you mm-hmm. and are more likely to get disease. This stat right here to me is part of the conversation that needs to be brought into that piece because yeah. so many people focus just on hormones and that difference. 
that this piece right here, because we see it all the time, is people do have don't they don't even have the essential muscle, like yeah. the basic baseline, low end muscle that would be recommended for their age, typically when we are working with someone. They are in fact usually have already started to lose muscle well before they should be losing muscle, and then they're doing nothing to preserve that muscle as they get older. Or claw for new muscle. Or yes. So that's true. That's why I call this a trend that shouldn't be a trend because it's just the acknowledgement of a massive factor for health. You need muscle because muscle is strongly correlated with your overall mortality, your overall health. Yeah. It's been undersold for years, undersold for years. And we're going to dive more into that topic because one, it's important. Two, it's, uh, a conversation that is not had nearly enough for women to understand and not be scared Yeah, of I mean, we grew up, again, not, you weren't supposed to be, you weren't supposed Muscular. to have muscle. But I think that's part of the conversation that isn't understood. Having muscle and looking muscular two are completely two different, different things. things. Yes. And then again, you know, gaining muscle has not been promoted to women. This is a new conversation that's happened within the last 10 years and is slowly Grown and it's still really slow. Yeah. And so, one, still those conversations are not being had with women. But two, women typically have less time than men. Yes. Because they are usually the primary caregiver. I have a trend coming up. Going to help women with that. Yeah. (laughs) So, hold that thought on time and women. But that is also why, in general, the muscle conversation is behind as far as. That, that perspective of getting more women on board of understanding why muscle is so essential yeah. to long-term health. And I will say it, I think most women immediately think of caring about muscle as trying to compete in like a, a bodybuilding, a bodybuilding competition where you're ripped instead of understanding that owning the muscle that lives on your body <clears throat> is going to look completely different. Mm-hmm. It's it's not even approaching that realm at all. But the other piece of the conversation, which I know this is a trends conversation, so we have to just talk Wrap about this other, <laughs> elsewhere. But the reason why women always tend to lose muscle faster or have really bad muscle numbers when measured is because of the dieting. Yes. Because when you diet, many women think they're losing fat when you're actually mostly unless you were doing a you know a diet that you are working with professional with a real professional not a personal trainer or not a, a crash coach. diet yeah there you're you're burning your muscle you're not actually burning fat for the weight loss and so then you're you're just constantly wiping out your muscle more and more every time you do a new diet yeah and that is also again part of the conversation again when we look at long term data needs to be a part of the conversation as far as autoimmune diseases because we understand that there's a correlation there with low body weight and low nutrient intake. Mm -hmm. Again, diets. But then two, osteoporosis, Mm -hmm. trends more in women. But again, I believe this is because of the loss of muscle Mm -hmm. and the dieting. They don't have muscle pulling on bones to make them keep them strong. Yes. Yeah. When we talk about muscle, it can be easy to tune it out, especially when it's not been something that has been promoted in maybe the the health circles you've been getting your health information from, but it should be promoted because it's actually essential for long-term health and extending your health span. So extending how long you feel good versus how long you, you know, you're still alive, but you have some type of disease or something going on. And so I think 
needing to know, okay, is this a trend that matters to me this year? Yes. First of all, most of you, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if your health practitioner has told you you have low muscle or you're trending towards osteoporosis, you need the muscle to stress your bones. This is a big one to bring in professional help to help mm-hmm. you bring rebuild muscle. Also, if you're coming up from a long period of inactivity, which many people still are, that is a big time to come back and realize you probably have lost muscle because you haven't been straining your body. So you're going to have to pay attention to rebuilding muscle. And then the crash dieting that you just mentioned is Mm -hmm. huge because I've often said this and I don't say it lightly. I say it with great righteous indignation that I think a class action lawsuit should be put out against all major diet companies that put people on starvation diets because they're losing weight so fast that their body burns muscle to make up the difference. So then all of a sudden, they're not just stealing these people's money. They're not just stealing their organ health. They're not just stealing their sanity. They're not stealing their relationship with food. They're not just stealing their gut health. They're literally stealing the muscle off their bodies. And you can feel and hear my voice rising because this is the one that gets me the most. Mm-hmm. They People don't know what they're signing up for yes. when they do those diets. So if you've just done one, if your friends are thinking about one, big question to ask. Like, hmm, how are you planning to preserve your muscle while doing this fancy diet? <laughs> yes. But that is a key question. Mm-hmm. Yes. How are you going to take care of your muscle? Okay. You just mentioned women, no time. I love this next trend, and it's a trend towards exercise or movement snacks. And I love it because it's just this fun way to describe splitting up your exercise into smaller movement sessions throughout the day. So let's say instead of an hour at the gym in the morning or at night, you're doing two 20-minute sessions or you're doing three 10-minute sessions. There's really no rule on the length of time or the number of movement snacks you get. It's just it's more than one big session. It's being broken up. So is it around 10 minutes? Is the, does it classify the amount of time? I would say people feel more like it's a snack if it's five or 10 minutes. And the thing is, it's highly valuable. Can I tell you that I'm not actually a fan of this name. <laughs> I don't like movement snacks because I think, <laughs> it's, I think it's confusing Okay, for people who already have um, issues with their relationship with food. I think it's, it's to me, it's kind of like replacement mindset and I'm not I'm not oh. a fan of the replacement like you need to eat a snack I feel like some people will use it to promote you know not eating in a, in a way of being like well make sure you get your movement snack in and then on the mental side it makes you feel like you did a snack right or ate a snack or uh, took care of your, your health body. I just feel like on some level it's a confusing language especially because People already have a lot of confusion around food and their relationship with food. And snack has always been associated with food. And now suddenly we're supposed to associate it with movement. Yeah. I get the fun behind it. I get the premise behind it. But I don't necessarily love that it's called a snack. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. That makes sense to me. I can see that. So we'll call them movement bursts. I like that much better. (laughs) So it's a movement first. But I, one, I agree with you that anything, depending on where you are in your health journey, can definitely be misused. I'm hoping this one, as a burst, is used to help people understand that they're probably delaying working out or consistently working out because they're always waiting for that magical hour. This this is the part I do love about it. Into our brains. Yes. 
And you don't have to work out for an hour straight. The research is extremely promising. I haven't seen any research at all so far. Obviously, this is newer. But so far, the newer research that's come out shows that if they had people do that big chunk of exercise, and then they had the second group of people break it up throughout the day, they both got pretty much the same results. So it's just as effective. I actually find it's more effective. Back to the gamers we started with. One of the reasons gaming and office jobs and those sitting jobs are so hard on your body is that they keep you in the same position position for a very long amount of time. Your body's perfectly fine in that position. It's a good position, but it's in it too long. It doesn't get a break. You throw in an exercise burst for five minutes, you've pumped blood, you've taken the pressure off your joints, you've reinvigorated your body, and then all of a sudden that sitting position isn't as hard on your body. Does that make Mm, sense? Yes. Well, and this is something that I've definitely had to retrain Mm -hmm. myself Thanks to you. Because you're a focus of worker. just any movement is good movement. Yes. yes. And, I mean, we, we're 90s kids, so mm-hmm. we grew up in the era of, did you even run if you didn't run an hour? <laughs> right? right? Just all cardio, that. Cardio, cardio, cardio. Yeah, cardio, cardio, cardio. <laughs> but having that mindset shift, definitely life-changing for liking fitness because having to go for long periods of time and you just want to be done, it's exhausting. It kind of kills fitness. So I think... Um, this can be really helpful for people who do not like to work out because it's going to get them into fitness and in short bursts. I agree. So this is really for you if you're always skipping workouts because you can't find the time or you can't find the energy for a long workout. And then this is also for you if you have focus or energy issues because finding the space for that little burst is going to still let you get really meaningful movement done and then also recover your energy without being exhausted. Another reason I love this, this is kind of near and dear to us with the clients that we have, is if you have an autoimmune condition or a health issue where getting too warm can cause negative reactions in your body, then switching to these little movement bursts and spreading it out lets you protect your muscle, protect your joints, but then limit body temperature rising, limit histamine reactions, limit blood pressure going up. I have a lot of clients where we have to micromanage how the body responds to exercise to still get some of the benefits. And this is an incredible way to do it. So final trend, percussion massagers. Mm. Okay. So I love that this is a trend, right? You, you got me hooked on the percussion. I love it so much. So I feel like Some people who want to be cranky will say, you don't need it. This is a gimmick or kind of wave it away. Other people won't even have heard of it yet because I feel like the wave is really, really growing this year. But it's an incredible tool in your wellness toolbox because not only does it help you with recovery, it lets you loosen tight muscles after you worked out. It lets you reduce DOMS and soreness and it, it improves just the tone of your muscle and your soft tissue. It's also really great for people, again, with autoimmune conditions or people with lymphatic drainage issues. I find that the vibrations, it helps move fluid throughout the body. It helps uptake your both your detoxification on the that side of the body. It ho- also helps with the movement of lymph. And it also helps with pain as well. I find that it can really reduce pain if people are struggling to keep moving. Well, now is the time to hop on this trend because the percussion guns have changed since they first come out. Accurate. Because the first percussion gun that you know, Matt got, had. her husband got, 
and it, was it hurt. <laughs> it hurt for, for for smaller like for context here. He is a uh, you know massive a, muscular guy. Uh, yeah, he, and so he for him needed that to intense, get that into his deep tissue. Yeah, the intensity was the win for him. For me, it for was, Jen, it's like getting down to the bone level. <laughs> yeah, like too intense. It was too intense, so I didn't like it at all. Yeah, but now the the new generation where they have multiple settings and the lowest setting is actually a true low setting that you actually work up to a being a higher setting more the intense that Matt likes is com- a game changer that makes it now then I could understand why people were like wow this is a game changer for muscle soreness and taking away aches and pains just the overall vitality because it your definitely body. does because when you can get in there and just really massage something out yes makes all the difference so who should who should jump on this trend like, who would this actually help to really support? Well, I think some people are going to struggle with soreness more than others. So someone who gets DOMS. Someone who gets DOMS frequently. It really, I feel like with anecdotally, because mm-hmm. there's not a ton of research yet right. on these. Anecdotally, though, you talk to almost any trainer, any kind of PT clinic, any kind of chiropractic clinic, these are being used to warm up muscle, move muscle, protect soft tissue. So if you have DOMS, this could change your life to help you kind of move mm-hmm. through it faster. So, Which is really cool. Yes. I think percussion massagers are, we don't even understand the depth of them, how mm-hmm. we can use them. The key for anyone who's like, hmm, your ears perked up or you've been leaning towards one or you wanted to put one on a birthday list or a wish list, you have to get one with the different levels. What Jen mentioned is absolutely true. More people will be able to use it if you're able to take it through a wide range of intensity. Of intensity. So that's a definite trend that I can see people being really happy with getting one of those and adding Mm -hmm. one of those Mm -hmm. to their wellness toolbox. So when you look at those key trends, there's going to be a lot of ways where people can be inspired Mm -hmm. and continue on their wellness journeys, hopefully. I think there's a lot of good ones that that will help people get more movement especially now that everyone is seeking out more movement we're all at a place where we want to be able to move our bodies more you know we've survived the (laughs) yes what was (laughs) and people are looking for that change and are feeling the need for that change i think everyone can feel that their body needs more movement yes and that is what i'll end with because a single change just the change of moving more any of these trends we've mentioned can have massive outcome for your body and how you're feeling. And all you have to do to know that's true is go right back to the average character named Jumpman that no Mm -hmm. one remembers and changing the name to Mario Mm -hmm. and the rest is history. If you've made it to the end, you're amazing. You've chosen to spend a portion of your limited time in life with us in your ears and your brain space. And that's something we're so grateful for. Here's your reminder to be kind to yourself in the process of any change. If someone you know came to mind while you were listening to this podcast, hit share. They'll know you were thinking of them and have the opportunity to learn too. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, please like it, subscribe to it, share it, or leave us a five-star review. It helps so much more than you know. We're glad you're here and we're glad you're part of the Critical Conversations community where together we're learning to ask better questions and choosing to do wellness differently. So Jennifer, I have a joke for you. Really? How many wellness professionals does it take to change a light bulb? Two? (laughs) I don't know. Just one. But the light bulb has to want to change. (laughs) 